Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Bear Guys and Tua T Fitness. The Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language, and I will not go to my room. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is a Friday the 13th edition. Today, we go to 3D. It's Friday the 13th, part 3D? I don't know. My name is Michael Schatz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, the man ready to don the mask for the first time, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hi, Tom. No way, I'm pregnant, remember? I gotta tell you, I thought, <laughs> I thought, I thought that that was just a joke that <laughs> well, she was it saying. Makes, it, it would make more sense if, if it was. And then, and then I was watching the Crystal Lake, you know, the uh, Camp yep. Crystal Lake memories. Mm-hmm. And then to learn that she was actually pregnant. Yeah. I thought, holy fucking shit! I uh, I was unawares. I think I think the screenwriters put that line of dialogue in just to remind themselves that she was pregnant. So when when they reread the script, <laughs> because it never comes up again in the movie. Never. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's hysterical. It's really the last thing you want to gloss over in a movie right. where someone is someone's life is in danger. Surely well, that because it, in the bo- it raise, raises the stakes <laughs> yeah. enormously, but not if it's never referenced. <laughs> right. Because that's what they referenced in the in the behind the scenes stuff was how tragic the character was because she was pregnant. Yeah. And then I said, oh, wait, I'm sorry. She was actually pregnant. Yeah. She kind of said it like it was a joke. <laughs> well, exactly. And that's why I think that line's there to like, because it's said twice, it can't be a joke. Right. Um, but it's never referenced again, not even in the scene where they have sex in a hammock. Um, Mm -hmm. and they, they talk about, you know, they, they look, they look as if they're having sex for the first time, but you know, factually that's it. That's not true. There's (laughs) no way. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not, it's not an Anakin situation. It would have been kind of funny if, if right before they start having sex, one of them was... I don't know. Can we have sex in a hammock? Is that good for the baby? Right, exactly. That should be, you know, that uh, should be the conversation, not how do you have yeah. sex in a hammock. <laughs> right. Like, well, you, you know, think about when you did it to get her pregnant. <laughs> Start with that. <laughs> you've it you've done hammock. it once, at least. <laughs> and, that, well, I mean, that, you know, that opens a whole can of worms is because uh, it's, it's not it's not discussed whether this guy is the father either. At any That's point. true. You're right. So I, I don't really understand why why it's in there because all the potential reasons for it being there are not followed up on. Ever. Yeah, they never talk about it again. St- it doesn't raise the stakes. It's not a point of dramatic conflict mm-hmm. or, or, or danger. Um, so I, I, I think, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a really strange choice. That never yeah, pays right. off. Yeah, I can't I can't deny that. And yet we both called this movie good. 
I think both of us yeah. are barely calling it good. I said I said before we started recording, we've really got our work cut out for us today. Yeah, I know, right? said this was good. Because earlier today, I thought to myself, did I call that movie good? Well, I might have to do some fast talking to... <laughs> How can you hate a movie where the D in the title stands both for dimension and disco? I know. Oh, Simultaneously. Man. Uh, yeah, well, uh, hang on. We'll 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 get to the credits in a moment. But ladies and gentlemen, we're talking Friday the 13th part 3. As just discussed, Tom and I have called both called this movie good, but it has 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> and but I'll 7%. say this, this Is let, that let, higher or lower than Terminator Salvation? Lower, I, I think. think. You think it's lower? Yeah, wasn't that in the teens or something? No, it was definitely single figures, but I think you might be right. Uh, I think I think it's potentially lower than that. And I mean, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to like about this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You know, I it's uh I, I again, you know, we we're going to encounter this every time we do one of these movies. Because we know, you know, because because of the genre it's in, and because of the type of film it is, mm-hmm. we, you know, that you automatically take away like twenty five percent from whatever the score should be. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. And Especially you if keep, you're dealing with Siskel or Ebert. Yeah, and then you just keep subtracting percentages after that. So it's like it's an <laughs> it's an automatic twenty five percent disqualification for it being a horror I'll sequel. T- I'll tell you who did like this movie, audiences, because yeah. on a budget of $2.3 million, uh, 9.4 opening weekend, and in the USA and in the world, $36.6 million. It seemed to me that, you know, if you look at the behind the scenes stuff and kind of look at what people were saying at the time, not reviewers, uh <laughs> <laughs> people were Everyone ready for 3D. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think the, people were was... I think they were really excited about this movie being in 3D cuz it was the crest I, we kind of gave some play wave. to this. Yeah, right. And it was a small window. Literally this 3D oh, yeah. boom that we're in the middle, the right at the peak of goes from 81 to 83. Mm-hmm. Not a year before, not a year after. So you know, you got to make so, hay right. while the sun shine, and this is yeah, this right. Is right in the meaty part of the curve. <laughs> this is the bell of the bell curve. And you know what's funny? I mean, we talked about this in the ranking episode. I I don't like 3D. I no. it's a distraction, uh, and generally just does not lead to good filmmaking. But it's limited, and, I and there's I, 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 yeah, it's I yeah, it's right. Just, it's severely limit. You're severely limiting the kind of film you can make. Yeah, and I think that right. means that that it's wrong to try and shape an entire industry around it, which is what we've done, like th- three times in the history Since. of cinema. Yeah, right. So there's the the wave the wave in the fifties, then the wave of the early eighties, and then of course the wave of the uh, sort of late aughts. I guess is about when. Uh, 
And then that's... even later, I mean, into the you know, and it's lasted you know, twenty twelve, than... and it's still it's lasted, around. Yeah. It's lasted longer than any of the previous two fads, but um, there's still right. a sense that it it sort of became redundant very quickly, which is mm-hmm. the lesson that we never seem to learn about three D. Ever, no. But having said that, I think I I talked about this in the ranking episode. I don't need uh, apples and oranges in 3D, <laughs> rats on sticks, and uh, p- plenty of poles in in this movie. But uh, if well, there's if, your there's your limitations, I, right? If you're already reusing poles right, halfway yeah. into your movie, there's only certain um, number of things you can do with 3D. You can do after, right? <laughs> you've proved well. You've proved you've. you've proved your own point at that you know if you're going uh what else can we do uh have we done the poll yeah we did a poll uh, throw in another well poll. let's put another poll in people like polls <laughs> <laughs> but a lot and of it, it i would have been really into you know the snake jumping out and yeah they, jason himself been... kind of you know back back at that time i would have been all about that i'm and sure they, they could have been more judicious and worked harder on on certain effects that were related that amplified the horror because right. you know there's the yo-yos and the and the juggling mm-hmm. and the and the poles they got nothing to do with horror that's the weird thing it's like only about yeah 10%. give me more eyes popping out exactly that would have been some per- good shit you know 10 percent of the 3d effects are to uh are sort of to um exacerbate the horror and the rest is mm-hmm. just you know what can we put close to the camera yeah, basically. So it's 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 a it's a misuse of the form, and, and you're dropping because, the ball completely if you don't get a gush of blood coming out. I don't think that's in there, is it? No, um, and and again, the, the other problem is because you're retroactively watching it in two D. Yeah, for each of the effects, you're you're also evaluating whether it translates into two D or not. And when it when it, it's clearly something that only works in 3D, it's very obvious because it looks like the blocking has gone wrong. <laughs> it looks like it looks like an outtake <laughs> because it was only supposed to read in 3D. So there are moments like that. There's a, you know there's a lots of wasted opportunities. But when 3D is used well, it will always stand up in a 2D movie. Mm-hmm. That's the sign that you're using 3D well if it crosses over into a 2D movie without any loss. Hitchcock managed it with Dial M for Murder. One or two moments of this movie do it. Jaws 3D has a couple of moments that do it as well. Yeah, Um, Spear. So it, yeah, it it is. Which this movie does too. Uh, And a year before, so, you know, they scooped him. (laughs) I I I always thought that uh, Jaws probably borrowed. Oh, I think so. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we 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 you know we were gush we gushed over that um that uh, harpoon yeah. moment, uh, but clearly they 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 got it from here or they must have seen it here and and reenacted it. But we I I feel the same about this. I'm like, wow, that really works in two D. Hmm. Um. And you you can't say that for most of the effects here. Well, let me ask you this off the top. Mm. This movie is also directed by Steve Miner, who directed the previous movie, and we gushed quite a bit about Steve Miner in that movie. Do you think he has the same game in this movie? No. 
Me neither. And I can't. Sometimes. <laughs> I can't. Sometimes, yeah. I can't reconcile that in my brain. Like, why? It's like he took a movie off. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> some, sometimes, sometimes you can't help but you know his his innate command of the camera. You know, this is his second movie. There's some of that. Command of the camera is is still there. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the the kind of um, time that we waste on 3D is helped by his ability to do focus shifts in camera. Mm-hmm. That without that, a lot of those 3D effects wouldn't even be watchable. So there's definitely traces of the of of the work he did in the last movie, but a lot of the a lot of the transcendent stuff and the the interest. Well, I guess, and I guess part of it is like again, and behind the scenes, uh, content speaks to this as well that they were putting all their effort into trying to get the three D right. Yeah, and yeah. if you're the direct, you know, if you're directing the movie, then all your all your attention is going to be paid on that. So you don't have time for these kind of you know this kind of. Uh, for, for kind of honing the visual language of the rest of the film the way that we saw with part two. Yeah, so and that, I mean, that's, that's how apparent. I it, is that he's, okay. his project, you know, he's he's trying to make the 3D look as good as possible and, and just, you know, competently direct the rest of the movie. That's all, that's kind of all that matters here. That, that it come, And it mm-hmm. does come, it's a very competently made movie. But yeah. His 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 creative, but it comes across instead. We talked about what a paint by numbers it feels like, and it feels like that more than innovative, which the last movie felt like. But his creative energy, I think, is being spent on. No, yeah, you're building a visual language of three D cinema. Well, and as as you and and I both know, know, they set up their first shot, and everything fell down. So. That kind right. of tells the story of, of where their focus was for the movie itself. And in an alternate reality where 3D becomes a mainstream norm, we might look at this movie very differently. Mm-hmm. But as it stands, it's just a kind of, just a window into a into a period of history which seems misguided in retrospect. Yeah. Um, but we keep, you know, we, we keep repeating the mistakes of film history, so joke's on us. Uh, you know, do you have anything to say, uh, credits before we, I, I noticed that we got Jason Inc. in this, uh, front credits. Well, we, before the, The uh, as a production company. Yeah. So it's interesting given what we've just been saying about Steve Miner, who is continuing here as director. We, we noted that in the previous film, it began with a Steve Miner film. This time the producers in the studio get that. Right. Yeah. Right. So you've got the same director, but now he's been relegated to third in the billing, (laughs) Um, which again, I think, again, just shows the shift of priorities here that the last Mm -hmm. film was really a director's movie. And this is more of a a kind of committee. uh, Yeah. Right. The, you know, it's producers. It's that it's your your 3D. um, The 3D supervisor gets a very high billing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's almost kind of on a par with the direct of the, with the director here. So I think that opening that opening billing says it all about that author credit says it all about how the priorities of authorship have shifted. Have shifted, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then we go we go into having having found a story way about a story way around just having a chunk of the last film's ending in the last. Yeah, movie. we get a good we get a they good just, six minutes of the last movie. Now now we're just like starting about six minutes before the end of the last movie, and and that that's how this movie begins. So we're we're going back to basics. Yeah, pretty much so we can just get this movie to 92 minutes. It's a real well, that, cheap way to get this movie to 92 minutes. That was that was my first thought as well because you know <laughs> I, I I know the first thing I noticed doing watching these movies back to back that this movie's 10 minutes longer than Friday the 13th Part 2 and you know I immediately had the cynical thought of is it 10 minutes longer because it has 10 minutes of the last film in it of the last and, movie. Know, <laughs> you know what that's not that's, I don't think it's a full 10 minutes, but that's not entirely untrue. Nope. <laughs> it takes up a good five, six minutes, as you say, which means yeah. that, you know, half of that extended running time is just the last <laughs> movie. And it's kind of, it's just so fascinating because it wants to give the impression that it's a serialized story. But of course, the first thing we do is immediately dispense with any of the surviving characters. Yeah, right. So the film kind of wants to have it both ways. <laughs> it wants continuity without having any continuous characters. <laughs> right. Without any, yeah, without yeah, any yeah, like, sure. legacy characters, except Jason. And it's very clear when that when the footage of the last movie ends, because there's a real, the, the improved quality <laughs> of film stock when you first see, right. when you get that first shot of Jason on the ground. <laughs> just like you're like okay so now the movie's begun because they've you know they've been using second generation footage right that has degraded and now now this is the you know this is the new um the new film stock coming in mm -hmm. and i guess and i guess the other thing that it does is it 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 relitigates the ending of the last film we get it we get it from a different perspective which is you know that well, two things really. One that we get a sense of where the dream sequence at the end of the last movie began. Yeah, right. Because where the where the movie recaps up to the movie stops at a movie yeah, right. <laughs> implicitly telling us everything after this is a dream, right? That's kind of mm -hmm. what it's implicitly telling us. Uh, so it's almost like resolving the the kind of dream cliffhanger of the last movie, which the previous sure. movie never did for the first movie. So this movie, it's wants a, something new. Want, yeah, it's something new. And it's like this movie wants to be clear about what it's doing in a way that the last movie necessarily didn't. Uh, right. It, want, it wants us to know what's real in this world and what's not. And, you know, and then the other part is, it, you know, we're seeing. We're kind of uh, doing what all sequels do when they recap footage is we, we either add in new shots that tell a different story than the one than the one we saw in the last movie. Or, <laughs> that we know. Or they re-edit it. And I guess this movie does that to a certain extent. They re-edit it so it tells us what to what we should think about the ending and how we should reconsider it based on <laughs> how much it fits this movie. Right, yeah. So it's it's less interesting conceptually as the, the last movie and less ambiguous and complex and all those things that um, we admired about the last film, but it is still, right, yeah. it's still a, a kind of remediation of what we've seen. And, and it's, again, it's setting, it's still, movie, it's still in it. Yeah. We're, we're going, we're going a more pure impasse. Yeah. 
Exactly. It's more conventional. Really? What, you know, uh, external reality matters a lot more in this movie. Everything has to be clearer. Mm-hmm. The boundaries between dream and reality have to be more firmly established. Again, everything's becoming concretized. There's not room for subtlety or nuance in this particular telling of the Friday the 13th story. Yeah. As the diner owners we're about to meet will uh, <laughs> handily <laughs> Firmly symbolize. attest to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, be- but before that, of course, we, we have these, these uh, legitimately amazing title credits. Block title? Uh, it's, I mean, the the break, the sort of the, I don't know what what you call it because it's not a cut. The transition, I suppose, from from Mrs. Vory's <laughs> head to a disco version of the Friday Thirteenth. Fantastic. Theme. And you know, a, a kind of a graphic representation of the three D look with a sort of a. Uh, like a kind of Batman style, this is Voorhees head coming towards the screen. Well, like what I like the most about it, what I like the most about the title is it, it's in 3D and it comes out and then it comes out. And after a pause, it comes out a little further. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. and the, They're and telling the title, you, they, like just in the title, they're telling you what they care about. Yeah, exactly. They're getting their priorities straight. Mm hmm. And I, I love the contradiction at the heart of the, the the credits, which is that you know this is this is boom time for three D for the three the three D craze, but disco right. been over for a good five years. That's the <laughs> so funniest part we're, about we're it. You know, the I crest just of one wave, and you know, the, and the other wave has dissipated we, into the beach. <laughs> like so far behind you is yeah. the the best part of it. Yeah. The, the when that disco music came, I remember the first time I watched this movie because I mean it was long after it came out, mm. and I I had to immediately run back and look at credits to see what year it came out. Yeah, because I knew the first movie was eighty, so I thought this this is this is a weird choice, right? Yeah, it would have What's seemed happening? anachronistic in the original movie. Never mind right. the, the yeah. third movie, which albeit is only two years later, but still. But I think um, it, I, you know, I think it is part of the charm of this particular movie. I mean, you know, it's it's a it's an esoteric choice, yeah. Yeah, you don't hear a lot of people say, "Man, I really hate that that no. disco music." We no, all it, just fucking it, yeah. love it. We all we all love it, and I think I think part of the fun is that it's completely esoteric. You know, Harry Manfredi. You get a sense of Harry and Freddy not understanding that disco is outdated. That that adds to the fun of it, I think. Yeah, totally. That that he that he picks something that almost at ra- <laughs> picks a kind of genre of music almost at random right. to to remix the the um, the Jason theme. So good. And it it works because it doesn't work, right? There's, there's a weird yeah, exactly. Sort of... Yes, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's such an un you know it's like it's it's almost challenging in the way in the way it challenges your conventions about kind of what to it's expect. A, it's a direct confrontation. Yeah, exactly. With the audience, you know, you have to either get on board now or get the fuck out. Yeah. Also, speaking about setting out your stall, is the smoke in this opening title sequence? Is this the kind of 3D effect that would look amazing 
were it not in 2D because it just looks like a community theatre production to me. Yeah, right. Do you think that smoke really, really sang in 3D because it looks very, it's very stable. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. <laughs> it looks it looks like, you know, as, as a, a bunch of teenagers are going to come out and start doing Grease. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the uh, the first once that once the title sequence over the first shot proper of the movie that crane a, shot it's amazing i mean it's it's steve it's so good. best yeah this yeah, it begin, uh-huh. yeah so no matter how cheesy things get and they get very cheesy very quickly in this movie mm-hmm. the command of the camera is undeniable yeah. You know, you are you are still to some extent in safe hands. It's just that those hands are, <laughs> have got other other responsibilities. They've, they're worried about other things. <laughs> yeah, they got nothing that <laughs> they don't care they don't care about the, you know, the 2D camera anymore. Right, but I guess, you know, I I guess it's a good thing that he doesn't drop what he can do well completely. I, I agree, and, and the best moments of this movie as well, you know, his his abilities with the camera feed into the 3D rather than working against it. Yeah. And in this scene, you know, we get the the, the first the first of the first of the many polls. poles. <laughs> the first of the poles. <laughs> which, the first time you see it, I think it still reads in 2D, and it's a nice jolt for the audience, because we're, you know, we... we with, it, yeah, they kind suspense. of announced their presence early, you know, yeah. like we're going to we're going to ease you into this. Just just here's here's a little something for you. Yeah. So it's kind of works as a sort of a, a, like a fake out almost. You're expecting something. Yeah. You but know, it I, also, I, you know, it, it it kind of this whole scene reminds me and feels like the beginning of a Halloween, too, with it is, you know, Michael, it, you know, he's you going know into this. Rem- do you know why it reminds the you of that? Side neighbors' house. It's identical. It's it's totally the same. So yeah, the uh, the arguing. Uh, well, you can list the tropes: the arguing couple. Mm-hmm. Even if the even if the lady even if the wife in the in Halloween two doesn't have rollers in her hair, it feels like she has rollers in her hair. Yeah, this one right. certainly does. The, watching the TV news. Same pink bathrobe, though. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Watching the reports of the killings on the TV news, picking right. up directly in the aftermath. By the way, that news reporter is that news reporter is Steve Miner. It is indeed. <laughs> and they pick up directly from the end of the last. Right, movie, that's the big thing is did. that yeah. yeah, they they really start right at the at the exact moment that one ends, which means, by the way, that this is Saturday the fourteenth. But yeah. I suppose they don't care. No, I mean it, it's it's sort of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I guess I guess if they'd have done, if they'd made this this the first sequel Saturday the Fourteenth, that would have kind of they could have established mm-hmm. it there. But they can't really do that now. They have to keep it Friday the Thirteenth. No, yeah. Part part three. But I'm not mad at it. That's fine. Go ahead. No, no, yeah, I know, and it's yeah, and uh, Friday the Thirteenth. By this point, is just the marquee. That it's meaningless, mm-hmm. right? And Harold go... is eating himself out of house and home in that store of his. Like, how can that store remain a profitable business with all the shit he's eating and drinking? 
Yeah, so when they're watching, so when the couple, they're watching uh, the news footage on TV, the, what they're watching is the rest of the ending of the last movie. So Yeah, right. Because <laughs> they see Ginny being taken away on the stretcher. And I think, again, that's a slightly more inventive. I wish they'd have done the whole recap like that. That's quite like a that, more right. interesting approach. Yeah, that the idea that you're watching that bit, because that is, that is the part of the ending that feels most like, like TV news footage. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, again, it's telling us this happened, right? This this definitely happened. Right. It was filmed. It's on T. You know, it's on TV. It definitely happened. So again, we're delineating what's dream and what's fantasy. And part of it is your, you know, it 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 feels so connected to the Halloween movies because you're getting a lot of he's there, he's not there, a lot yeah. of uh, he's stealing clothes, stealing clothes, waist down shots. Stepping out once somebody turns their back, you know, yeah. all those kind of familiar tropes that we that we know. And that's why and the th- colorful th- that's co- why and this the movie feels couple. like a paint by numbers. Yeah. And the one thing that I do think they do well is because you're kind of always waiting. You're like waiting, waiting, waiting. When is it going to happen? And there are so many false moments that you almost start to relax. And then finally it happens. So I kind of like mm. that. Plus, you got some good um, fun in yeah. there. There's 3D with the snake. Mm. No, I like I the snake. I find these too tiresome. Huh? I find these too tiresome, though. I find these two very tiresome. Oh, the two, the couple. That's yeah. Oh, there's absolutely. A lot of overworked, yeah. There's a lot of overworked comedy in this opening. Oh, scene, absolutely. I don't know why. I don't know why we've shifted to like pure slapstick now. You're gonna get the same thing in five, and although yeah. it's so broad. In five, it's funnier. Well, we'll we'll have that discussion when we get there. It's def- right. They're definitely of they're definitely of kind. Yeah. I agree. Um, but you, you know the, the the last film got by on a kind of low key jokiness that really helped the movie, but this has just blossomed into full you know like full, almost self parodying physical comedy. Yeah, it's like a low humor extravaganza. The scene in the toilet. Oh, with the, yeah. the the snake, did there's a detail in that scene which is both simultaneously wonderful and terrible. Do you know <laughs> what I'm talking about? When he's on the toilet, is it what? Well, what are you talking about? When Harold is on the toilet. Yeah, no, that that I understand, but oh, well, I mean, there's our, a detail in the scene, simultaneously uh, repulsive and admirable which is that you can see the shadow of his poop as it goes as as it as it uh, falls oh. into the bowl well then that i did not notice Re- reflect reflected in the toilet seat as it goes down so that guy's pooping for real because you can see the light <laughs> flicker as it goes as his poop goes down now while i admire the technique <laughs> I do not admire that. I like. I don't need to see this in my Friday the Thirteenth. No, movie. no. I'm glad I didn't notice it. Yeah, and unfortunately, so it is. It's picking up the night, the the night of Allah Halloween two. Unfortunately, right. The the it's not the right date, so the title doesn't work. Um, <laughs> and you know they kind of redo the rat scene in part two, uh-huh. and again the only difference is three D. 
Yeah. So now we have we it, well, it's a mouse instead of a rat, but we we have to have it like walk <laughs> along a plank. Yeah, more so wood. So it can go right into right into <laughs> the camera. Um, and then the baseball bat in when you shoot when the baseball bat goes into the close to the camera. Yeah. Those that's so, what I'm talking about when it comes to calculated 3D effects. That when you take the 3D away, it just looks like the blocking's gone wrong. It looks like he the guy wasn't supposed to put it where. Right. Yeah, of course. And obviously, he is supposed to put it where he put it, but there's no reason why he should. But I can I can tolerate that one, and I can tolerate the rat. Although you can see the snake on the wire, I still think it's a good effect. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of funny. Like up until this point, it's all been kind of deadpan young people. Yeah, right. <laughs> and this is like sillier and older. A sillier and older demographic that we're dealing with. So <laughs> there is there's a distinct attempt here to, to change the tone and the demographic of the series a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll go back to those to those uh, that demographic soon, but um, this does seem to be a departure in terms of representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but in the end, uh, you know, Vera's going to get it in the neck, and Harold's going to get a hatchet to the head. Yeah. Takes a long time though. It, I mean, uh, it's yeah. it's really it's only an hour, it's only a 90 minute what 95 minute movie and this this again that you could you could get Yeah, could but like I said, I think I think yeah, absolutely. I think they're trying to stretch this movie uh in places because <laughs> they don't want to have an 80 minute movie. And it's the distinction. So you get s- yeah. 6 minutes of the last movie and and a scene like this but I also think, like I was saying earlier, I think in Miner's mind, if you, you know, it, you can, if you put an expectation on the audience and you carry it long enough, you can lull them into, well, maybe it's not coming when I think it's coming and yep. then try to surprise them. I think that's what he was going for. Yeah. And, and, and it's. That is, at least they do that because there were later instances in the movie where it, he, he, you know, it's just a pure prick tease that nothing comes. Yeah, right. You know, they, they build the build the suspense and nothing happens. Yeah. And that's a bit of a cheat at that point. But yeah, at, at least at this point, we do we do get some kind of a, some kind of a payoff. And I, I think there is a distinction because the last movie, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, also relied heavily on the iconography of Halloween Two. But it did it in a way that didn't just feel like it was playing for time, and that's what it feels yeah, like here. It's that, like, yeah, we've got right. no, we've got zero substance. We've got to fill up, right. fill this we, screen we, time with exactly. something. And I never got that feeling in part two. I felt like you right. know, uh, we're we're riffing on lots of different slasher films and prototypical slasher films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Halloween, right. yeah, exactly. Psycho. It felt like much more of a mix, but this feels like well, let's just begin it the way Halloween 2 did. This movie does feel like... But in 3D. Yeah. (laughs) But it speaks to what we talked about in the ranking episode. You know, it was uh, the actor David Katmus who said, you know, this is crap. What are you guys doing? And it was the producer and Miner that said, oh, no, my friend, this is a Friday the 13th movie, and it's in 3D. Yeah. And apparently that was enough for audiences. Uh, I tell you what, we're, we've killed off our the, the first two victims and talked credits. Why don't yeah. we take a break? Yeah, so that's good. We can uh, 
we can meet the kids. We can meet the kids. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll, right we'll, after we'll, this, it, we'll meet. We'll meet some more thin, thinly veiled stereotypes. Oh, I'll say. <laughs> Coming at you right after this. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing... The 1982 sequel, Friday the 13th, Part 3, The First Movie with the Mask, directed by Steve <laughs> Miner. Extra subtitle added. <laughs> We're not Editorial. there yet, though. we got to meet the kids <laughs> as they meet the new crazy Ralph. That's right. He's not going to uh, come yeah, back, this... though. No. <laughs> no, he, is a one... he was a one-time deal. He doesn't work outside 3D. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well this is this is where we meet oh. Shelley which is a which is a reminder that you know body fascism cuts both ways. <laughs> you know men men are subject to to uh you know idealized uh kind of idealized sexuality and appearance. Mm -hmm. You know it's a sharp reminder that men need feminism just as much as women do. <laughs> the suffering of yeah, this guy. Well it was funny, too, to listen to the actor Larry Zerner talk about sort of audience reaction mm. to Shelley and people either love him or hate him, apparently. When someone when someone says that, it's it's always more the latter. Exactly. That's what I was yeah. just about to say. I was, yeah. I'm sure he said that, but I think most people hated Shelley. Yeah. You either, <laughs> when someone comes in the room saying you either love me or hate me. That's a clear indication that the latter will be your choice. <laughs> and we also meet, you know, speaking of stereotypes, uh, Cheech and Chong mm -hmm. here in the van. In, in the form of some, a couple. We got some stoners in the mix. Yeah, they've mixed it up. So it's now Cheech and Chong and now man and woman. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's just like, you know, you, you feel like you're having archetypes thrown at you rather than real characters at this point. I right. guess that maybe that's where the pregnant character comes from. It's just like, it's just the outline of the character. That's like, interesting. Yeah, of, it's possible. A way of a way of just defining her in broad strokes. Going, <laughs> uh, she's the pregnant. She's the pregnant one. 
No, it's just it's just a little. It's just one. Everyone has like yeah. one. We're not going to mention it more than the once, but <laughs> but this one's pregnant. And then then we have a kind of bad news bears style. Sorry, a breaking bad news bears in breaking training style because I have yet to see <laughs> bad news bears. <laughs> Uh, moment. It's the same gag, isn't it? Oh no, because they do get pulled over by the cops in Bad News Bears, but here they just think they're getting pulled over by they the cops. They just think so they, they are, right. So they, they eat all the pot. They eat all their pot. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a straight out of a Cheech and Chong movie. Right. If not multiple times, but I definitely, I can recall one specific. <laughs> I'm sure that that's how most of them end up, you know, going down, but... <laughs> I've definitely seen that in a Cheech. So they, you know, again, they're like, they're sort of, they're looking, looking to make broader characters, broader storytelling. Mm-hmm. Comedy first. Yeah, and then they, then they, uh, we see the evil eye guy, who's you know crazy Ralph for the as so I, I said in the previous episode, crazy Ralph for the three D era, because uh, right. he's got a. He's actually got an eye that you can push into the camera. So that is an eye. That's what I thought it was. Do, do they say that it's an eye? Uh, well, I don't know. How how much closer do you need it to be <laughs> to tell it's an eye? I mean, it really couldn't get any closer to the camera. So it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily look like an eye. It's you know, it's it's elongated and fucked up. But it's the evil eye, because he's got an evil eye, isn't it? Isn't it a callback to um, Telltale Heart and the the man with the evil eye? Probably. Uh, but he's a, you know, he's a crazy, he's a... Steve Miner's a smart guy, that makes sense. He's a surrogate crazy Ralph. Customized for, yeah. 3D, <laughs> for, for a 3D film. <laughs> Which is, in its way, upping the ante. Mm-hmm. On Crazy Ralph. <laughs> this is where it's str- we got the, some 1982 road. shit yes very much so where where one character is proclaiming there's only so many cold showers i can take in, oh you're talking about rick? implying yeah rick rick's mm-hmm. rick saying listen you gotta put out or else obviously i'm gonna have to stop seeing you yeah it's it's funny like it, he he acts like people don't take him seriously because he's from the country. No, it's because you hate women. That's no, how I know it's it takes you seriously. A piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and again, I give them credit for, you know, not having the movie simply be about returning to the camp because this time they go into a cabin in the woods, and the next movie is exactly the same setup. Um, this, so we get two. That's the two one thing about this series is that they're oh you you discover as the series goes on. That there are houses nearby, there are yeah. little, you know, yeah. there are stores closer than you thought they were, and then, you know, one ends definitely at the camp, and then definitely in the next movie that we won't even get to until next year, uh, there's right. definitely houses right next to that camp that you never saw before, you know? It's like that. That's why only the only part two reads as a kind of wilderness movie because after that, yeah, it's, right. It's you realize it's a highly developed uh, suburban right. area. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I guess uh, Chris's quirk. So so we've got one of them's pregnant, two of them are stoners, one of them is uh, is the the ugly kid, um, and so <laughs> yeah, all right. 
Chris's Chris's fun fact is that uh, she's <laughs> suffering from PCSD because she was attacked two years ago when she last came to the lake. Well, we'll get we'll get to the story in a in a in a yeah. bit, but I also wrote down because after one of Shelley's terrible jokes, one of the first thing he proclaims is that he's an actor, and I wrote down Shelley's giving bad actors a bad name. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> And speaking to what we said about Rick, like, you know, he doesn't he say something along the lines of, come on, it's been two years? Yeah, Which, I think so. It's you know, kind of really underestimating how post-traumatic stress disorder works. You really should be more <laughs> more sympathetic to her triggers, especially when it's the first time she's coming back. Coming back to the was, spot where uh, she was possibly, and, and certainly possibly, attacked, possibly raped. Was, yeah, she was raped in some cuts. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is another which is another very 1982 thing as well like right did we have the same thing with amityville 2 the possession where mm-hmm. it was like you know you, except that was also people. incest yep there was incest and rape but the, you, they were only talked <laughs> they were only sort of talked about and heard in the movie but yeah. the actual um the actual visual version of it was cut out yeah i think at one point rick says uh he said, did I do something wrong? And I said, yes, you did something wrong. You, you were rapey, you fucking asshole. That's another, that, uh, along with along with you either love him or you hate him. Yeah. I think uh, coming into a yeah. room going, did I do did something, I do something wrong? wrong? Is, is, it's never a good way to start when you're building a character. Because <laughs> it's like, why is this about you suddenly? Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where we get introduced to the barn. Yes, and its various con- and its various Heath Robinson style contra- uh, Rube Goldberg style contraptions. <laughs> because we spend a lot of time on that pulley. Oh, do we ever? I and as I'm watching it, I'm going like I've I've seen about two different people go up and down twice, swing and, out and, and back I'm just and like, forth. I'd be just like, I would be very surprised if this didn't come back at some point because we've right. been here. We've been here a long time. In like 10 minutes. Seeing the intricacies of this mechanism. In like 10 minutes, Fox from the biker gang is going to be swinging on that thing. And she's supposed to be like covertly trying to steal gas to burn the barn down. She's just making a spectacle. Yeah. Just so that we as the audience can understand, hey, this is going to come into play. And we we get a more um, again like a fuller, more theatrical version of the prank that we saw in the last movie. Yeah, right. Was it Ted with his coming jumping out his, in the right, right, in right. the cannibal in the cannibal in the cannibal mask? What Jason was going to look like. <laughs> <laughs> and in this in this movie, like Shelby does like a full you know kind of uh, bloodletting sort of uh, a maneuver, mm-hmm. and then. Interestingly, that will then be supplanted by the next film, where you have, where you know, the main character is a burgeoning special effects artist, so yeah. he can do all those pranks yes. with the professionalism of Tom Savini. Because <laughs> Tom Savini's so doing lo- it for I love him. How we're, yeah, I love how we're kind of ramping it up. We're ramping uh, up the, to to try to tell through the narrative, the to give credit through the narrative to the people that they love behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but Shelley's joke is going to go over so poorly that 
he's got to get it, not get out of town, but he's going to go to the store with, uh, who's he go with, Chris? With the biker gang. Well, not with uh, the biker gang. Yeah, he gang, goes with Chris. But we're going to meet the biker gang. And I remember, we meet the, yeah. I just remember thinking that the biker gang was, was so heavy at the, it, in this very small town store. I thought, yeah, are, are, is this just where they hang out or, or did they just happen upon this town and then decide to fuck it's, with Shelly and Chris? Cause it felt more like they're the town assholes. It's very noticeable that the 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 diegetic disto soundtrack reemerges at this point because I feel like uh-huh. the biker gangs are like the the content equivalent of the disco soundtrack. Oh, absolutely! It just takes the it takes it at like what is quite a conventional horror movie into kind of a crazy direction for a little while. <laughs> Not for a little while. They're gonna be with us till the end. Yeah, but they'll only they're only really gonna be. That's yeah. We're supposed to think that they that they're gone much earlier on than they actually are. But yeah, um, it's a it's a good it's solid like, it's, it's twenty a caper, minutes. It's a yeah, it's, it's a, a good solid twenty twenty five minutes with them. Yeah, it's a you know it's like a caper chase movie, uh, for the next ten you know ten fifteen minutes. This is also where we get the yo yo in the lens. Well, we get the wallet throwing in the lens. We get biker chain in the yeah. windshield and the side window. 3D wallets, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, the biker gang are sort of, they kind of become our fake Jasons. So uh, mm-hmm. this is because Jason's sort of absent from the section of the movie. So they're the, they're like the sort of... Uh, they're Jason surrogates the B, for a the while. The team. Yeah, right. They're basically, yeah, like they're the threats. Mm-hmm. They are the, they're the psychopaths. You're going to see some legs them. behind the van. And yeah. then you're gonna, and then it'll turn out to be Loco who's gonna dog bark. Yeah. And the dog bark is the signal that we can steal the gas now. <laughs> well, that's it. And at the most, at the most basic level, this whole scenario has been written so that that they'll steal the the fuel from the from the vehicles, so right. the kids won't be able they to can't get leave. away. I mean, that's why it's in there. Why that? So they're kind of writing, they're sort of writing back from that, right? Mm-hmm. They're reverse engineering. We've got to find a way but for they, the kids to be stranded. But they leave out fuel. a section because when Shelly and Chris leave them, they've run over at least one of the motorcycles, and yeah. they've left them behind, like in their in their dust. And narratively, two and a half minutes later, they have all caught up to the bar. They've done quite a bit of detective work to find this place. I don't know how they did it on just two bikes with three of them when somebody was gone for at least 10 minutes before, you know, they going off into side roads and dirt patches. Yeah. But this biker gang, they're, they're regular, you know, Sherlock Holmes as a unit because they find the bar. They find the house and the barn and uh, steal the gas. So who's the character? I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm not. Is it is it Chris that he goes with? Because. It's or is it Debbie? Who, Maybe it's Debbie. It's Debbie You're because right. the fun fact yeah. about her is she's Latina. <laughs> uh, because we see that when when she's picked up, you know her her mother's, you know speaking Spanish and then she comes out and translates. It's like oh they don't want me to go as if we needed that translated. Like it's very clear what's going on. <laughs> and then of course she get the, the when she gets to the the store, 
they're racially profiling her and they say we don't accept food stamps and that's directed at her right um so that's her fun fact is casual racism <laughs> follows her around right. just wherever she goes this um, this but then but it's but, also a white actor also... playing debbie is it oh yeah you think so Tracy Savage? Yeah, it is. I'm just look- I think so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm looking I'm looking at her picture on IMDb and uh, that's quite an, white. That's a remarkably white actor. Um but there's also kind of there's also kind of filmic racism going on here because part of the part of the the setup here is that this is how you have the black person die first in a movie where there's no black people. You just <laughs> right. like introduce them quickly and have and them And then killed. have them die immediately. Yeah. Um, good, or at least to the best of our knowledge. Good death, though, gives us another stick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is what I, I described in my notes the bikers. They are our training wheels. Right, yeah. Right? They're, the train, they're the movie's training was because this is just, they were just kind of working up to the murder of the kids and um, they're in the crossfire. Mm-hmm. So this is, just a pra- this is just a practice round <laughs> uh, for Jason. Um, and the return of the pitchfork. Yeah, right. So you know the last remnants. It's really like it's it's really about casting off the country bumpkin version of Jason we saw in the last mm-hmm. film and replacing him with this dynamic, possibly Canadian. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would love one scene where he, if, you know, because they never show Shelley dying, but if they showed Shelley yeah. dying, and then you hear. A muffled voice say, nice mask, eh? <laughs> and then put the mask on. <laughs> All of a sudden we know Jason. Oh, he's a hockey fan. He's from Canada. Beauty. Yeah. <laughs> Even the the um the clothes that he's stolen make him look more urbane. Yeah. No, yeah, right. Because he's in like a windbreaker. <laughs> No, it kind of looks it looks more clothy than that. It's it feels more like an army jacket kind of or like a like a heavy wool shirt is what it look kind of looks like. You know, it's between shirt and jacket. And, you know, that we we should talk about the the, the big the key differences, even from the beginning of the film. You know, in the last movie, Jason was still more childlike. He was childlike. He had long hair. Mm -hmm. Now he's bald and burly. Right. And And it's, it's funny because like, I don't I, think I wonder what I don't think we have any repeat Jasons until we won't even cover him no, until next Kane year, Hodder. until like seven, right? Yeah. Kane Hodder, I yeah. think, is the first one who does consecutive And so every year they're always so they're not only are they replacing Jason every movie, sometimes they're replacing him in a, a particular movie. They do that twice. Yeah, where they hire a Jason and fire right. a Jason and get a new Jason, you know. Yeah, and in in that absolutely, yeah. The so it's so you don't have a continuity there, like you said. We have a burlier Jason no, now. You you don't, but it's a kind of a it's a transit, but it's like a it's a transition. And part of that, I think, is mm-hmm. it doesn't really make sense when you think too much about it. But the idea crossed my mind that. Because we only see Jason, Jason's face in the dream part of the end of the last movie, right? That you can sort of reimagine him however you want, because no one has seen him. It doesn't really work because Ginny and Paul have seen him, 
So Ginny would base the dream version on it of him. On what on she'd what seen, like, yeah. Rather than, <laughs> right. or rather than inventing a completely different looking person, so it doesn't quite work. But it's it's the closest I get in my head canon to reconciling those two. Sure. Uh, Jasons, but film, but filmically, we're being told that you know uh, he his iconography is changing mm-hmm. in the course of this movie. Very clearly, I think. I think that's very much one of the one of the pro- sub projects of this movie is to right. to end with a different Jason than the one we began with. And it's very effective in that because you know everything we, we introduce in this movie kind of sticks with, with how we see Jason from now on. Sure. And this is the first time he's really a zombie. I mean, <laughs> in quotes. Let's, let's just put aside the whole, whole like drowning in the lake. Yeah, right. From that, let's just <laughs> let's. You just have to forget about that. Right. But if you forget about that, you know he's. This is the first time he's been sort of reanimated resurrected yeah right yeah from uh from what was supposed to be death we've seen yeah so and i think that's you know the 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 formula is kind of is coagulating at this point and this movie's doing a lot of is bearing a lot of that burden you know what i also notice and this is a fun fact because it leads to another series that does that does have Mm. a sequel but the vest that Mm. uh the one of the bikers is wearing. I think his name is Ali. Yeah. It's from any uh-huh. which way you can. Well, that doesn't surprise me. How great is that? <laughs> that the the scenes that they're in could have been straight out of it, every which way but loose. Absolutely. If you told me that was a deleted scene for every which way but loose, <laughs> I would believe you. If they were to walk around that van to steal the gas, if you heard da na 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 na. Right turn, Clive. He's just punched by an orangutan. <laughs> Would that really be that out of place in this movie? We've already had a rabbit and a snake. No, I don't think so. And a mouse. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Another crossover with the bikers that's interesting. The um, uh, I can't remember the the name of the the character, the the bald African American gentleman. I think that's Ali. Um, the actor's name is. Yeah, his name. Well, his name is um. Another crossover with him is he's uh. He, the actor Nick Savage, also plays a running character in Hill Street Blues. Oh, okay. There's like a run of a, a run of episodes where, at the beginning of every episode, Mick Belker is bring, He's a pickpocket, and Mick Belker arrests him and brings him into the, uh, like brings him into the precinct, and um, does like does his booking paperwork, and he gives him a fake name every time, and they replay it like at the beginning of every every new episode. So that is who I. That's, that's what, what I. That's what you associate. It's kind of with. like a, yeah. It's kind of like a like a like a kind of Hill Street Blues version of that con man in Cheers. Is it Harry? That's the Harry hat, the Hat. The, yeah, that's Harry know. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, Harry. It's the same. It's essentially the yeah. same gag. Like he gets one over on where his work was so good. And, they were like, let's give that guy a sitcom. So they got Night Court. Did they, did they do it? Oh, he's in Night Court as well. Yeah, that's Harry Anderson is like a well, you know, dude, I mean, well-known stand-up. Oh, and, but not the same character. No, not the same character. No, no. But just okay, his work in Cheers was so good that they were like, we should give this guy a show. <laughs> yeah. So they did. Oh, yeah. No, I, I agree with that. But I, I kind of tantalized by the prospect of a, of a Harry the Hat spinoff as well. Right. That would have been that would have been in a in a Beverly Hills bunt style. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think we're at least... our old friend Dennis Rice. <laughs> at least in my notes, we're at the part where we're where she's going to... Where Chris is going to tell her story. Uh, so, yeah, I've got the... the I, I, I thought for all the overworked comedy in the film, it's very funny that the next time you see the stoners, they're just asleep on the couch. Right. <laughs> like, I think that's a nice kind of comedic touch. Oh, and, and, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I guess we talked like, about oh, the like, pitchfork for Fox, but uh, the other bikers... Yeah. You know, I think I think not only is Fox nailed with a pitchfork, there's a second pitchfork for Loco, if memory serves. Yeah. And I really I do really Probably, like that yeah. shot for Ali when he because uh, he's he's laying down on the hay, but his head is behind the stall. And you see the kind of the thump, yeah. thump, you know, feels kind of psycho ish. But he's he's getting he's getting one of the many sticks in this movie to the head. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I have, I guess I do, I guess I do have mixed feelings about Shelley because part of me thinks, you know, there have been enough ugly girls in Hollywood movies up to this point that it's time to redress the balance and, you know, have a man take the heat for once. Sure. But I don't want anyone to have to experience this kind of abuse <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> I know. It's just, I understand. you know. So it kind of works against itself in in some respects. Um, I still like the story yeah, though. No, this so, guy was just he was just handing out flyers by, you know, and you by uh, in Westwood at, by UCLA. And somebody said Oh, the real actor? Yeah, okay. and somebody said, "Hey, are you an actual actor?" and he said, "Yes." And they were like, "You're Shelley, like you are so Shelley." Just taking one look at him. So that 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 look got him his job. So Right. Kudos, I say. Well, it's like again going back to Bad News Bears where they where the fat the fat kid got thin, and then they had to find a new fat. Yeah, kid. That, that's a real bummer. Yeah. Worked for Larry Zerner though. Um, but it's like it's you know I I had this as an actor as well. Like people say, oh you know they they, they seek you out for something. Say, oh you're gonna be perfect. And then you read the script, and it's just like a horrible slobby, schlubby <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> walks into a bar and just like really you see me in this okay thanks uh yeah so i like how the flashback is executed with the present day superimposed on the so you do like that past because i i have a sense that that's kind of derided a little bit but isn't it more this like the people thought that it was going to <laughs> why why you draw the line here particularly? But people thought it was going too far that that Jason kind of raped her. Well, maybe that was it. And that they and that they had that footage, and then you know they had to kind of. They well, they didn't to have to. They the made a choice. So you're hearing the story I think and they were seeing under, the story. They had a lot of heat from the censors, though. Okay. They had a lot of heat from the censors. Okay. I think, though. I always thought that I had. Yeah, I guess, oh, yeah, I guess in the in my in my critic canon, I thought I remembered a lot of why are you uh, showing us a character telling us a story, and at the same time showing mm -hmm. us the story. Yeah, but I think that, it kind of works in a almost in, a, in an almost too. melodramatic it, way. You know. Well, I th yeah, I think you you haven't seen it before or since, and maybe there's maybe there's good reasons for that. Maybe what you just pointed out is is the conclusion most people come to. But I like the fact that it's a different way of doing it. I yeah. don't want flashbacks to be the same every time I see them. Right. 
Um, I don't want I don't want to have them at all. But if you're going to have them, they should at least doesn't shouldn't disrupt the flow of the present day storytelling, <laughs> which I think is what they're trying to do here. Another good use of the stoners with the uh, one of the, you know the the pot paranoid you know the, the, yeah, the, right. the male stoners going around and he he's both paranoid because of all the pot he smoked and he's quite legitimately paranoid that, right. that he's gonna go to the toilet and then Shelly's gonna open the door and people are gonna see him on the shitter so <laughs> I think both of those things are very funny ideas and, and the actor does really well kind of like the stoners are working out well at this point I, I had initial misgivings but they're starting to come into fruition yeah I think so but another toilet scene again. Like, <laughs> think of something else. <laughs> it's like they want to have <laughs> toilets and shit in the movie. Purposefully, yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just so funny that we've gone. You know, we we covered on the Patreon. We covered Psycho, which had the first shot of a toilet in a mainstream right. Hollywood film. <laughs> and you know, flash forward to 1982, my You can watch Shadows of poop. poop going down. <laughs> we've come too far too quickly i mean you know just more than a decade later i'd really have liked to have seen this movie it was the year i was born so there's no there's no (laughs) historical way i could but i'd love to have seen this movie when it first came out in theaters because now when i see a character um pulling a prank with a hockey mask on, I feel like they're doing an impersonation of Jason. But the concept of Jason in a hockey mask doesn't exist yet. Not, so yes, not until this movie, adjust. yeah, right. So I'd have loved to have seen that all organically happen where, it, you know, he kind of picks up the hockey mask and it becomes part of his look organically and not... Yeah. So I'm not thinking back through the other films. Right now we're at another Shelley fake attack. But... <laughs> Yes, <laughs> he comes. He comes from under the dock, with a wetsuit and a harpoon, and then the mask. And I just love the idea that yeah. this is his at least his second mask, in addition to a wig piece with yeah. blood on it. He's got. Well, he's got that box. Yeah, hasn't he's he? got fake. <laughs> and at one point, somebody says, "What's in this box?" And he says, "Never fucking mind your business." But uh, yeah. I just love that that. I just like the idea of Shelly packing for the weekend. And he says, wetsuit? Yes. Harpoon? Absolutely. Hockey mask. Might not need it, but just in case. It's great. Absolutely. Yeah. And does the movie go into slow motion when Vera opens Shelly's wallet? I can't quite decide if it did or if it was a 3D effect gone wrong. Oh. And that's the problem with this movie. I don't know. I don't always know what I'm watching. I guess I never worried about it because of the, the best piece of 3D is coming up. The spear in the eye. Yeah, absolutely. Which it's is, so good. Uh, a preca- like a, yeah, and it's another, it's another kind of spear penetration kill. And we're on we're mm-hmm. on at least our third of those, and we've got we'll have one more before the movie is over. Oh yeah, and we pipped yeah pipped Jaws 3D to the post one year before before that film came right. out. And this when you see Jason, but, but let's not forget this is also the, the yeah. first sighting of Jason in the mask when he kills her with the harpoon. Yeah, and he listens. He looks like a man for the first time, right? Like he's right. no longer the overgrown boy. This is this is the beginning of the bodybuilder Jason. Yeah, right? yeah. This is 
that that will eventually that will eventually morph into the excesses of Kane Hodder. This is the this is the Jason that can walk through <laughs> doors. Yeah, this is the the great um, horror based comedy drag act Cinebra, um, who were at the San Diego International Fringe Festival a few years ago. <laughs> this is this this is uh this is similar to when they talked about the about there being a gym under the lake in which Jason was working <laughs> out. <in. laughs> the only it's where he works on his so muscles so and holding his breath, which we know he can do yeah. quite well. Yeah. Well. Um, well, we just killed Vera. She's harpooned to death. Should we take another break and come back? Hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, right. and we'll uh, talk. Of, we'll talk about uh, how instantly tiresome Andy walking on his hands. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> By the time he gets split in half, you're ready for him to get split in half. I got no sympathy for any of them. <laughs> that might be the problem. Uh, yeah. Right. All right. Well, we'll get to that when we get back. Right after this. Does the coronavirus have you feeling oogie? Have you been sitting on your couch for weeks? Nay, have you been sitting on there for months? Well, it's time for you to get back in shape. Check out 2 a T Fitness. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. 2 a T Fitness was started by Tina Bernard. She is ready and raring to go to help you get back into the shape you want to get into. They've got all kinds of classes. They've got outdoor in-person classes. They've got online classes if that's what you prefer. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get back in shape. You're going to find a variety of exercises. You're going to have strength training, cardio, weightlifting, even fun five-minute burnouts that will push you to your limits. So get off the couch, get into shape. Go ahead and check out Tuity Fitness. Tina Bernard has got you for all your needs. I know her personally. She's fantastic. You're not going to meet a better person to help you become the new you. Check it out. And we're back once again, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here. We're finishing up with Friday the 13th Part 3. Jason finally has his mask, so he's going to start killing hot and heavy. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the other great thing about the hockey mess. Not only does the iconography stick this time, but you mm-hmm. can now have Jason on screen more without him, with with the actor being able to see what they're doing and without it looking ridiculous. Yeah. So it's <laughs> win-win. You, you can have him on screen for extended periods of time because of the hockey mess. So it solves a lot of problems. Agreed. It's a one-size-fits-all solution. To all the icon iconographic problems, yeah. Let me ask you this: the second Shelley shows up and does his first joke, mm-hmm. you know what's going to be involved with his death, don't you? Yeah, and I, I I feel like again that was more of a subtext in the last film, the kind of boy who cried wolf. Whereas in this one, yeah, it's, right, it's just reading out the fairy tale. Yeah, out loud. Out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, abs- absolutely, and it kind of it kind of kills what what potentially could be a quite interesting moment. I think that 
Yeah. It's been it's been established so clumsily. Well, on our way out, you were talking about how tedious and how quickly I think it's Andy can get walking on his hands around the fucking house. Yeah. And you're right. But I'll tell you one thing that I respect about the movie. Andy's death involves Jason hiding by a bookshelf or something, I think. And as <laughs> as Andy it, misses love him. It when serial killers are sneaky. <laughs> Of course. But you're so drawn to it. I wonder where it comes from. Because you always you you always find these moments of where they're they're being surreptitious. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the one thing I you know, we were we we talked at length in the last movie about Steve Miner and all the work he did. And we agree this is a lesser movie, but you can see some of his command mm-hmm. still at play here. And one thing I really like about this movie is when Jason splits Andy in half, Yeah, you get maybe a half a second shot of what is clearly a clear plexiglass floor mm. that Andy is standing on, that Jason's going to go through him and the blood's going to splatter, and you get that. I, maybe that is a blood splatter 3D. I was assuming no because it kind of stops on the glass mm. itself. I don't know if they did that or not. But, mm. you know, just to, to build all of that for a half a second, and I think they probably wanted more. There's, you know, throughout all of these movies, you, you get, you know, how many times they were going to get an X rating and what they had to keep trimming and trimming and trimming. And it it seemed yeah. like this movie are, is not yeah. not allowed to get away with things that, I mean, you get away in television now with, you know, The Walking Dead and shows like right. that. And this 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 poor series was getting the shaft from the MPAA. Yeah, absolutely. But I love that they they go to the lengths to get that one half second of a shot mm-hmm. and build the floor out like that. I think it speaks well of of the movie and Steve Miner. Yeah. And it's, a you know, it's a minor t- tragedy that I don't want to dwell on because I don't think it it mutes my appreciation for the films as a whole, but we are watching the incomplete versions of all these movies because the yeah, right. planned some sequences to be far far longer and more involved and visual than they actually were. But I think it's a, it's 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 to these movies credit that what's left is is still works in its own right and you don't miss those mm-hmm. scenes. Yeah, but when you, it's, it, it, I think um, Greg Nicotero talks about it, like, you know, because Steve Miner, I think, screen, uh, or Joseph Zito, maybe, or I can't remember which movie it was, but they screened the, you know, I, it was, it was for part two, so it would have been Steve Miner. They screened the extended mm-hmm. version of one of the kills, and he was like, nah, I just can't unsee it. Like, I miss it every time I see the movie, but. Yeah, right. If you yeah. never get the experience of having watched it, you still just think that the. Then films, you can't miss it. These right. films still work, they're accomplished. Again, best left unsolved in the in right. final <laughs> test sense. <laughs> That's my new. That's my new. Too much fucking perspective is a. Yeah. Best left unsolved. Well, I think for a certain sect of of audience members, this is not what I go to these movies for. But I think there are certain people that go to see what's going to be the new kill. I agree. And I think. Yeah. Mm. You know, I think you get that in this movie. I like the red hot poker kills. Those are fun. I like that the, 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 there are other pleasures, and 
I, I don't yeah, think right. that having those moments in the movie would detract from the movie, but because they're not there, you you there's there's other aspects of the filmmaking to be drawn to, like the use mm-hmm. of the camera in two, like the amazing screenplay of six, like the the kind of the quirky tone yeah. of four, which is just its own animal. Mm-hmm. I don't again. I don't think they would diminish if you had access to the full versions of them, but. Uh, like it reminds you that there's more going on than just the kills and just the just the execution of the kills, right? Or the kill, or the killing of the executions, however you want to put it. <laughs> uh, well, but... you got plenty of kills here, uh, you know. Yeah, we got slicing Andy's nads. Uh, right, the, Debbie's gonna a... get neck stabbed. Right, we're and... gonna get some three D popcorn. <laughs> Yeah, well, we've got we've got a tribute to Tom, a, a double tribute to Tom Savini, where oh, because she's reading a magazine. She's with reading him Fangoria, yeah. So Fangoria, yeah. I like that the silliness of the sequel comes with you know some acknowledgement of the fan community that that um, mm-hmm. kind of uh, helps propagate the series, right? You know, and the love letter to Tom Savini. He's not the makeup artist on this film, but the kill that follows her reading the yeah. magazine is obviously a tribute to what he did in with Kevin to Bacon. what he did in the first movie yeah. with Kevin, which we've Bacon, already right. had a tribute to in the previous, previous movie. Um, <laughs> right. I think this time we, and again, we're doing that sort of true that kind of part three looping back to the original. Cause I think it's a, it's back in the original coming up through the, the well, I was going to say it's an inversion because this one for one, there's two people instead of one. Hmm. And second, Jason's above them instead of below them. And so the in the first movie, it's a knife. In this one, it's a spear. And the spear is going to go through both mm. and hit the floor as opposed to coming out through the neck. Okay. Yeah. But it's very much, you know, Tom Savini's greatest hits. Uh, yeah, absolutely. D- done in a very, um, in an extremely kind of... You can tell that there's a, there's, there's a bit of this movie that's like... Well, we know how to do this, so we yeah. we could just you know do it a little different, and maybe some sense of trying to woo Tom Savini back into the frame. I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> by 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 uh, putting you know his headshot <laughs> on the screen. Uh, yeah, and then we get into the the stoner stoner making the, with the popcorn death. Uh huh. And again, you know, it lends itself to the three D effect, but it's organic enough because you stoners. They love their munchies. Oh, they got to get their munchies. <laughs> if you've watched any movie about stoners, yeah, that's the, that's the it's it's interesting because this this is one of the points of contrast with the next film. Like this is this is the Cheech and Chong version of the stoner, where I feel like the stoner in the next film, uh, probably assisted by the <laughs> right. fact he's actually high while he's, he's performing, is like yeah. every real stoner I've ever known. <laughs> there's no cliche or convention about him like there's nothing right. about his we'll talk about it in the next film nothing in the we'll behavior get there, yeah. in the next film is quantifiable like you could never turn it into a convention or a trope but every time I right. see it I think well you go, first of all that this guy's stoned guy's, that guy's stoned and also he's doing a really good job of capturing what being stoned is right or being around is. stoners is like yeah <laughs> well basically all the, you know, we've got all these deaths, and then Chris and Rick come home. Mm-hmm. Also, something that happens here, which I, again, like when you know that you're far and you, that you're getting far into a into a horror 
film series. Electrocution. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you start to see Electrocution, you know you're right. in about yeah. at least part three. Part, maybe <laughs> even part four. Is, I think it's part four where we get Electrocution in um, Halloween. That's our first big yeah. Electrocution scene. So you know you're far along enough that you... Bucky! You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bucky! Yeah, Bucky. I think there's a sense of, well, you know, the next, you know what we got to do next. We're going to have to go to the execution. <laughs> going to have to, yeah. We're not to the flares yet. And I love how, having, having just kind of shat on how cliched the stoners are here, I do think there are some nice touches. I love how slow the stoner girl's moving. <laughs> when she's when she's being stalked, when she's like uh, you know right. trying to find out what's going on, because it's taken that horror movie cliche of like just get out of there, run away, and added <laughs> amplifying know, how, it how stoners yeah. like physically can't move very fast to it. <laughs> I I some again, and this movie this movie does have I think I think I feel better having gone through this, talked about it. There are enough. There are enough uh, outstanding moments in this film to call it a good. Yeah, movie. I'm starting to realize that too. That as I go through my notes and the things I'm talking about, I keep saying, "Well, I like this. I really like this. Is done well, you know." Because this is this is the beginning of the eye popping scene, but I think it's already an interesting scene. The idea of Rick being gagged as Debbie calls out for him. So yeah, I mean that part that part of it I like, but I also like the idea that uh it's kind of an inversion at least from the last movie because maybe he doesn't last all the way to the end but he, he you know he disappears for a while but uh, you know the hero is that that is is with boyfriend in the last movie and so you you think that if might happen one, again the and they get dream, rid of him you'd be quick absolutely right yeah <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 you know, the eye popping is is very silly. But... He arrives before the dream, though. Yeah, he does. He arrives he, in the shack because he has that non-specific look of disgust at Jason, but which makes it even more. We, we li- <laughs> but it makes it even more of a mystery about where where he ended up. Right. Unless he's in that elderly after hours joint with Ted. <laughs> But if there's ever anything that I I may would would have made I think in 1982 a crowd cheer more than this eye popping out I can't think yeah. of what it would be they must have gone fucking ape shit for that yeah there's some parts of this movie where they lean into the silliness and it's just tiresome and then mm-hmm. there are other moments like this where they 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 just kind of take it to to a theatrical extreme that's quite charming and and admirable. And mm-hmm. this is what this is one of those moments, like the eye popping out. It's 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 a like technically it's a very good effect, but there's not the sense that they're trying to make it look real. They just want it to look spectacular. Yeah, right. right. Just, yeah, they, they, and 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 harness the three D. This is not like you know, right. we're not going for um for graphic realism here. We want it to we want it to mm-hmm. seem look and seem silly, and it really we just want a wow. Them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll tell you what I don't like in any horror movies. Oh, God. When <laughs> people when smashing some... through windows. I hope you. I'm okay. No, I'm okay say. with that. Because there's a but, lot of that. Uh, <laughs> listen, if I see water coming down the stairs, mm-hmm. I'm going to freak. And so I'm going to run upstairs. And even if it's filled with blood, I will be more focused on getting the water to stop 
than on the blood. <laughs> and just letting right. it keep going to me is insane. I just can't imagine it. I'm going to pull the drain and stop the water. That's just me. Yeah. Well, I guess it, you know, it's the idea that you're not thinking straight in that moment. I disagree. <laughs> I, I half buy it. There are, there is there there are less plausible things happening in this movie. Because <laughs> another trope but is uh, the before trope of, before like... we get Rick through the window. Mm -hmm. I I made a note that said we got a lot of doors and windows closing here. Yeah, we're following her for a while. I feel like we're stretching it to the ninety two minutes. Yeah, and we're also the 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 kind of trope which they they managed to keep in check at least in the last movie of corpses of people that you didn't know or didn't and or didn't know were dead just appearing suddenly like this uh -huh. is a, this is something that all of these movies do to some extent but this is just a real explosion of that like every every door they open every you know every like cupboard you know yeah. they, they look at there's a dead person in there um, right. yeah so it's kind of taken to the nth degree well, I, it's it 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 again. It feels it's one of those things where it feels borrowed again from Halloween, the original Halloween, when she goes yes, upstairs. You're right. They do it, in, you know. They and again, it was. I'm pretty sure it's in Friday the Thirteenth, OG as well. I'm sure. Yeah. I think that was another aspect that they lifted, and I think we saw more of it in part two. But this this feels just out of control. I tell you what, I do like because we know that the. The bikers have stolen the gas mm -hmm. and you get so you get when you get Chris running away and getting into the van, you have knowledge that she doesn't. But yeah. the van starts mm -hmm. and right. so they avoid a trope immediately by having the van start easily and her driving away. And once it gets onto the bridge, then it's gone. You well, know, there's and also enough gas in the tank to start it. I really like that. And we also know that bridge is broken. So it's yeah. you're sort of you're because, sort of play, yeah exactly you're, play, you're playing off both in your mind. You're going oh I guess the, I guess the, there's enough fuel in there, but oh no mm -hmm. there's the broken bridge. She's not gonna get past that, <laughs> right? But then it then they flip it on you and it's like oh there's no fuel and um and the bridge is broken. You're double fucked. You're double fucked. My favorite <laughs> kind of Oreo. <laughs> yeah, rig through the window is, is is the kind of serious convention of waiting till the last possible moment before you have a moment, a sudden moment of action. Um, mm -hmm. Quite quite well executed, I, I think. Again, the timing on that. Is There's amazing. so much window play in these movies. Yeah, it's like he's always throwing somebody through a window or jumping through a window himself. There's a great moment, or throwing someone out a window, right? Or someone just throwing themselves out of the window. That's true. Some of the, but well, we'll get. Yeah, there, I know. Great stunts. That's what I. That is. <laughs> that's one of my. That's I think that was one of the best moments of the next film when someone just is just yeah. like, well, everyone, if everyone's coming in through well, the window, fuck this. I'm going out through the window. <laughs> Why has no one thought of this? There's a big open window here. I'll take my chances with the shards of glass. Thank you. I just love love the idea of you know it's like someone throwing in a throwing in a brick and then immediately throwing it out and hitting the person who threw it yeah <laughs> there's i think there's when jason's trying to get through the door and he's using the knife to get in i feel like this is a, a shout out to the shining which would have been a fairly recent horror uh -huh. phenomenon at the time i feel like that that's like a, a zeitgeisty call out to the shining i know it wasn't 
pop maybe wasn't popular at the time but it feels like hardcore horror fans would probably get it mm-hmm. and in these scenes jason's not not yet supernatural but he's starting to show signs of superhuman behavior because he shakes off fatal injuries in seconds so again yeah, yeah, they're yeah. going as close as close to the line of zombie as they can without ever going over that line <laughs> Yet. <laughs> well, I, I, I would suggest that maybe they are going over that line. I don't know. Yeah, but they're not saying in it. In the last movie, he got macheted in the neck and shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, because it's... Well past the bone. Yeah, he's not... But what's kind of... Int- I, like the, I like the distinction here, though, because it, it helps... It makes it much more interesting to watch the fights he has with people, because... I like that he's mm-hmm. uh, he's not unbeatable or unkillable. He's just relentless. And it's a much yeah. more interesting dynamic than... Because you're just watching it going, well, there are no stakes here because, you know, if he's unkillable, no one can do anything to him. And they figure out, sure. they figure out the workaround for that in part six with the occult book. But mm-hmm. since they haven't gone full zombie at this point, it still feels like he's beatable. If you find, if you find that, you know... If you pick your moment, you can get him on the ropes, mm-hmm. but he's going to be relentless and he's just going to keep coming at you. And I like, I think it just makes, yeah, of course. makes it a more interesting watch than, you know, if they'd have outright said, yeah, I'll, outright, I'll outright you have said, you know, he's a, he's a big ghost, you know, it wouldn't have been as interesting at this point. I'm trying to think back too, cause Chris, we don't have a lot of information on her like we do with Ginny in the last movie about you know we don't have her playing chess we don't have her well everyone's only you know, got musing about, about Jason Every, anyone's only got one right. thing about yeah, them exactly. they're limited to one piece of information hers is trauma though hers is PTSD yeah which you know but but what I do like I do like the idea when he when he you know smashes uh, when he comes in through the window mm-hmm. I don't know what she's doing with her with her window down, but when he comes in through the window, I just like watching people figure shit out. And I love watching her roll the window up and just keep, you know, snagging his head inside the window. Mm. Fuck you. I'm out of here. Or not his, his head, but his hands. And then he smashes it with, I like Jason figuring that out and just smashing the window with his hockey mask. Yeah. He's like, fuck. Good thing. I got this mask. eh? I can break the window. I feel like I should get you that DIY Batman book for Christmas. That you know that um, <laughs> book that tells you how you can how you can like physically technically become Batman. I feel like that'd be oh, right, that would right, be up, right up right alley. So Ali is both he he returns from the dead. Yes, <laughs> and he, he might be a zombie himself. He might be a zombie himself. He's also a born again zombie because he's trying to help and save people, which he gave no he had no interest in previously. He didn't care about it at all. He really wanted to harm them before. And now he's again like he, again the sort of the undercurrent of of casual racism because it's sort of like it's sort of like he's just there to come back to life and save some white people mm-hmm. before he right. eventually gets killed anyway. Yeah. So he's doing the Paul Winfield, you know, I died so that the white man could yeah, live. Yeah. Turn. Right. So Michael BN can go on. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jason's reaching out into the camera. That is the Yeah. That's I I don't is it it's possibly the first time the 3D 
is being used for horror purposes. And it's ironic. Maybe not the first time, but the best time. Like, that's yeah. the time that makes the most sense. And it's also ironic because Jason is the victim here. He's kind of like, he's reaching out for help. So mm-hmm. he's no longer the perpetrator. He's the victim. So it's a, it's a nice twist on, on the on the archetype, that he represents. I guess you could say that, but yeah, reap what you sow, Jason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and of course, you know the the pulley is is his gallows. We knew it was going to be used for something significant, but yeah, and, of course. Um, and here it is. But what I do like is when she, you know. She hangs him outside, and when she comes back, and he just sort of takes the mask off, and it's like, surprise, boogie, woogie, woogie. <laughs> yeah, it, it couldn't. They couldn't think of a more organic way. Like, <laughs> he he sort of take. It's the idea that I can't get out of this noose until I take my mask off. Yeah, right. I guess doesn't really make sense that these al- no, that he's alive of at all. Not. But. Uh, yeah, but certainly that he needs to take them. So it's a very inorganic. Um, so you know we can um, we can see his face. It reminds me of that uh, Wallace and Gromit short film, the the wrong trousers, with um, a penguin who's actually he, penguin who's actually like a like a famous criminal, but he puts like a red glove on his head so everyone thinks he's a chicken. And when he re- when he reveals the secret <laughs> right, identity, yeah. he just puts the glove on his head, and Wallace is like, oh, "It's you!" <laughs> and this is how, like, <laughs> like, what did you think? Like, that's what kind of a reveal moment is this? Right. Like she couldn't, like she couldn't have intuited that this was the guy who attacked her two months ago, or two years ago, or however long ago it was. Yeah, and- I like that look of surprise. Like you said, you. Oh no. And his. Right, exactly. In another cut of this movie, you 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 raped me. But he, it was. I mean, it's clear that the assailant, the person who attacked her, was Jason, which I think fucks with the timeline even more than we have already. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, right. So it's, it's, it doesn't bear too much thinking about. And you know, we're and more proof that the third film always returns to the original because we're back on a boat. Yeah, right. A self-conscious reenactment of the original ending with pretty much the same music. I wrote down, woman gets into canoe again. Stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like, like, come and take a boat ride onto Jump Scare Lake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's an inversion as well of the original because... Right. All was was peaceful in the the jump was unexpected and the opposite happens here yeah and also it flips we get mom it flips the role because yeah it's the mother coming out of the water and jason's on the shore he banging on that window yeah thing. first we get jason in the window up there yeah. i kind of like that the, the, the long shot he creates with that it's it's a it's a little unintentionally comic i always think when they when we I do too, but for some reason i still kind of like it but part let of it out, is because he still has yeah, he still has that goofy look on his face, like, surprise, it's me, yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And it should not be a surprise. Yeah. But but again, we know that this is all a dream, because when we wake up, Jason's going to be in the barn. He still has the axe in his head. Mm-hmm. This is supposed to, once again, be the last Friday the 13th. We're going to be done with it. But 
I hate to tell, I hate to to spoil this for you, but it has to be real. This is the one time that it has to be real, because she doesn't know the Jason story. So there's no way she would dream and any of the stuff with his mother, the connection with oh, the. Oh yeah, right. So this has to be real. Because she couldn't. Well, then how do you explain? Well, it, well, it, this time it really happened. The second half of it. This time it really happens. Uh, She's not wet. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, does it? Because the mother's <laughs> not really coming out of the lake. But it can't be a dream. Yeah. It's, I mean, contradicting themselves well, on this on this point. You're saying it can't a be a dream. Film. I don't think the movie no. is saying that it can't be a dream, of no, course. No, but, but yeah, if you, if you think about it, she, there's no... At no yeah. point in the oh, movie yeah. do they say there is this legend of Jason, which is why right. that's such a good plot well, device in the last movie. And with the timeline thing you were talking about, we know that there's a five-year jump from one to two. Mm. And if he attacked her two years ago, that means... Between the first movie and year three, two years before Friday the 13th Part 2, he attacked Chris in the woods. Yeah. So he's I, been running around those woods. He got out of the water some time ago, I guess. That's, again, <laughs> the, the, there's, there's just no way of putting it all in a rational timeline. <laughs> and not on, not on, well, not only does this movie end... In exactly the same way as the original. It ends in exactly the same way as the last movie. With a traumatized yeah, right. traumatized final girl being taken away by the cops. Yelling and screaming. Well, this is... and But the distinction between the... like, It's safe to say that Ginny's version of trauma was far more nuanced than the actress playing Chris here. Yeah. Because she's doing full-on Jack Nicholson Joker in the back of that car. And... I think it's more... I think it's even more cartoonish than... It's, it may as well be... The end of a Bugs Bunny cartoon, you know, where they go. Maybe again, she was inspired by Jack Nicholson in The Shining. You know, give me the bat, give me the bat, give me the bat, give me the bat. <laughs> and so Jason's Jason's corpse is back in the, in the lake. <laughs> is that what the movie? It's in the barn. It's in the barn. So why do we have that zoom in on the lake? I don't know. Where nothing happens. But he's in the barn. Because we don't we 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 hold on the lake and then absolutely nothing happens. Right. Which I guess is a callback to the the Voorhees head where the Mrs. Voorhees head where absolutely nothing happens when you think it's going. Yeah. to. Yeah. I think it's intended to build or say to the audience, "What do you think's underneath there?" I mean, we just showed you something that's probably underneath there, but what do you think is underneath? But did they there? say any? Did it, at the end of this film, before we get into the next one, does anyone say anything to the effect of Jason's in the dead in the barn? Does anyone say? Well, that you that? see him in the barn. You actually see him but in the barn. But you also see him on the barn. The next movie the, opens with him banging on the window. I know, I know, but in this yeah, movie, but that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, but after the banging in the window, you see him in the barn again. Right. But what do you, what are you supposed to think about that shot of the lake? Is just it just pure fake out? Yeah, I, well, I took it... Uh, or you're supposed to think he's under there. He's gone back in the lake. I, not not him. I don't think it's him. I think it's w what is under there. Is mom really under there? In a very... That's, that's how I take in it. In a very damp sweater. Yes. <laughs> Just waiting. Yeah. That's, that, that's the end of the movie. So 
yeah the, the again like the rest of the movie the ending wants to have it all like it wants to sort of run mm-hmm. all three movies consecutive you know consecutively <laughs> at the same time um and it's it's less satisfying than i think both the previous endings oh definitely yeah, yeah. This movie just isn't quite as sure-footed as 1 and 2 are. No. No. I think so. And I think, you know, that broadness always hangs over it. Like, it's always going for the... It's going for the easy laugh. It's going for the obvious joke. Mm-hmm. It's going for the broadest possible stereotype of people... Of rather than... Sure. Rather than um, trying to flesh out characters. Which, again, like, on both sides of this movie... To both two and four are doing really well in terms of individualizing characters when even though those characters are part of a set formula you still feel like they're individualized within that in, yeah in two and four and here you know it just feels like a bunch of a bunch of stereotypes at the lake mm-hmm. well uh credit check very brief credit check here Okay. Special appear special appearances by the cast members of the last movie, and Inclu- yeah. <laughs> including Betsy Palmer, who was grandf- grandmothered in. <laughs> Doesn't she? Uh-huh. She's she's there by virtue of her having returned for the second movie. That she's now in this movie by virtue of her returning for the second movie. Right. So this is the first re. But it's not her coming out of the lake. I'll tell you that much. No, no, they got a different actress. Uh, to do that yeah she's there because they reused her footage from the last film which right uh yeah. i think is hilarious um <laughs> not only doesn't it's like you could have her in the movie without both without her coming in and filming anything because she's already <laughs> done that in the previous movie and we're going to reshow that in this movie and then my, my only other uh, credit check note this is a fairly dry set of credits insert car driver and I'm wondering, because these films were made so quickly, did someone accidentally put a placeholder name in the credits? Or is this a particular type of stunt driver? Like when you see right. a, when you see an insert of a car, it's this guy. Or is it just like, insert insert <laughs> car driver here. Oh, we forgot to put that in the, in the credits. Did they really just use a dummy? Like one of those crash test dummies, maybe? <laughs> well, no, I mean, the person is credited... So, yeah, insert... Cu- I, I don't know. I don't know. I've never heard this term before, and it, it, it made me chuckle. That's great. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's uh, Friday the 13th, part three in 3D. You're going to have to tell us what you think. This is towards the bottom of our lists, but, uh, you know, we both called it a good movie. Yeah, it's and... competently made, and it has its moments. Yeah. That sounds like a good movie to me. Agreed. And the, what and more the, old, and the older I and the older I get, the more I feel like that. <laughs> the more I'm willing to settle for that kind of a movie. I think. Well, uh, you're gonna have to tell us what you think. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram. And uh, send a letter to Elon Musk to fuck off. Send an email to everythingsequel at gmail His name is Tom Stewart. He's from Lonesome Whistle Productions. My name is Michael Schantz. I'm from the How Dare You Awards. When do you hear us next time? We're getting Tom's favorite. Yeah. Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter. Nowhere near the final chapter. <laughs> and only my favorite film of the, ser- of the series so far. 
by a half. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Look forward to that. Say goodbye to everybody, Tom. Sounds disgusting. Let's go. <laughs> if, the, if the idea was to get the audience horny for all the sex lines, dialogue like this... Mission really, accomplished. No, dialogue like this really kills the mood, I think. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. All right. Take care, everyone. We'll be back. <laughs>